Welcome to another edition of the College Football Pack. I'm your host, Patrick Bond, senior editor of the College Wire. With me, as always, Tyler Natuno of LSU Tigers Wire. And Tyler, it's finally here, right? We had games last week. Now the rest of the nation gets to start playing games this week. And I'm pretty excited about it. I know you are, too. And we're going to dive right into it because uh, today, unlike previous shows, we're not talking about anything off the field. We're not talking about expansion. We're not talking about any of those things. It's just straight. Let's talk about the games that either happened or are happening this weekend. And I want to kick it off kind of how we kicked off college football last week. On Saturday in Dublin, Ireland, we had Notre Dame taking on the Navy midshipmen in a game that most of us expected Notre Dame to run away with, and they did. Uh, Sam Hartman looked good, uh, but my question to you as we dive into looking into this game, are you buying into Sam Hartman, or do we need to tap the brakes a little bit on how this offense looked, considering that Navy really didn't put up much of a fight in this game? Yeah, I mean, the answer is that we're tapping the brakes because it's Navy. And, like, obviously, just from watching that game, they have a lot of issues defensively. It was pretty clear. Uh, But I do think I am tentatively buying uh, the new-look Notre Dame offense with Sam Hartman. I mean, look, this is a Navy team that, you know, tries to slow down the tempo, tries to control the ball. I think it would have been understandable if the Notre Dame offense didn't have a great day, but they did. Um, You know, Hartman was fantastic, 19-23, 251 yards, four touchdowns, you know, had a – Freshman receiver in Jaden Greathouse had a great game. Uh, Audric, Est, uh, Audric Estime, the running back, had a great game. Like, the offense just looked really good. You know, it was solid. And, and, like, you know, like you said, we do need to pump the brakes, and we'll have to wait a couple weeks to really know how much Sam Hartman really raises their ceiling because they're hosting Tennessee State this weekend, shouldn't have any issues there. Then they hit the road to take on an NC State team that's probably going to be, at the very least, pretty decent. Um, so I think that's the first time we'll really get an idea for – you know, how much better this this uh, this offense really is with Sam Hartman. Yeah, when you look at Notre Dame going into this weekend, uh, the line is, is pretty significant uh, if, if you're able to find a line, I should say, because a lot of times with these FCS teams, you're not going to see a line in a game unless they're one of the premier FCS teams. Tennessee State is not that. Uh, it should be a, an easy win for Notre Dame, and, and we'll get more into Notre Dame as the season progresses, but make sure if you – haven't already checking out fighting irishwire.usatoday.com uh as, as we move into our second game that we want to kind of look back at we're, we're talking about usc san jose state and like we talked about an offense drops 56 points led by caleb williams we expected that i mean if you look at who they have todd todd washington dorian singer you look up and down that offense we know what they are my big question was alex grinch how does his defense look and honestly, giving up 28 points to a San Jose team, it's a San Jose State team that is is a decent team in the group of five, but not one of the premier teams if you're really looking at it. I walked away from that with even more questions about the USC defense and Alex Grinch and the acquisitions they made going into the transfer portal. It didn't look like it all gelled. I don't expect it to gel in week one, but are there causes for concern based on how they played in a game that not a lot of us got to watch being that it was on the Pac-12 network? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there are. I mean, look, I'm not like full on sounding the alarms on Alex Grinch because, you know, you still won this game by four touchdowns. You scored 56 points. It was never really in doubt. 
But sure, I mean, you give up 28 points to a G5 team. I mean, Chevin Cordero threw three touchdowns. You know, you give up almost 400 yards of offense. Sure, that's a cause for concern, especially for a unit that wasn't that good last year and was a limiting factor for this team. Like, yeah, I would totally be concerned about that. I think they need to look a lot better moving forward. They do need to look a lot better, and especially as they get into the meat of their Pac-12 schedule, which is coming down the road. Not cause for concern yet, but they have time to clean some things up. You know, whenever you bring new pieces in, it takes time. Uh, it, it's not it's not a plug and play a lot of times, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball, where there's so many things that you have to focus on in the teams that you're playing against. And now, when we get into the final game from last week, I really wanted to talk about Vanderbilt Hawaii in a stadium that is under construction. Uh, it, it looked like they dropped a a football field right in the middle of a construction zone, working on highways. You had cones everywhere. Really, but when you look at this game, last year, Vanderbilt ran away with this game. And it looked like Timmy Chang's Hawaii team was a much improved unit from a year ago, obviously, uh, given what's transpired with Vanderbilt. We don't know which Vanderbilt was last year in aberration. We'll see how Clark Lee plays it. Uh, But given the fact that Vanderbilt – could have lost this game. Hawaii had an opportunity late. It didn't go their way, but you had to like the fight uh, of Hawaii, given everything that's going on in their state right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, going back to the construction zone thing real quick, one of the funniest things I saw all day on Saturday was, you know, with the end zones under construction, Vanderbilt is literally suspending a temporary jumbotron with a crane and it was swinging in the wind during a weather delay. So that was, that was pretty entertaining to watch, but yeah, you know, on the field, this game was, I think way closer than anyone thought it would be. I mean, look, Vanderbilt won this game at Hawaii 63 to 10 last year. It wasn't anywhere near that kind of game this time around. I mean, I think we all thought Hawaii would be one of the worst teams in the FBS. It's early, but I think we might need to start rethinking that one a little bit. I mean, they're going to lose some games this year because, I mean, they, they got torched pretty bad by Vanderbilt and A.J. Swan, but this passing offense looks pretty legit. I mean, they outgained Vandy by more than 100 yards in this game. Braden Shager, their quarterback, threw for 351 yards, three touchdowns. They had a freshman receiver, had a real breakout game, had 127 yards. I mean, I think they're ahead of schedule with where we thought they would be. And, you know, what I said last week was one of the most extensive rebuilds in college football. That's still the case. But if they're, you know, a team that's even sniffing a bowl game this year, that says so much for what Timmy Chang's done with this program in such a short amount of time. And let's, you know, a lot, we make a lot of jokes, especially those in the SEC country, make a lot of jokes about Vanderbilt. But this is still a Power 5 program who plays in one of the toughest conferences in all of college football, maybe the toughest conference. Uh, they don't, you know, they're, they're not going to win a lot of games probably. I mean, six wins I think is a good season. But you had to like the measuring stick for the Hawaii football program as they try and uh, rebuild uh, it under Timmy Chang. Now, let's dive into the games that are going to be played this weekend. Uh, but before we get to the weekend, let's get to Thursday night. Big game, I know, as a graduate of the University of Florida, I know you're excited about this game. Florida at Utah. I'm going to surprise some people here. For the second straight year, I'm picking the Florida Gators to win this football game. Now, look, I'm not going to say that Graham Mertz is going to go out there and throw it all over the field. That's not his style. But my big reason why I want to go to go with Florida, they have athletes. We know that. I've got a lot of questions about Utah and mostly about Cam Rising and how effective he's going to be coming off that ACL tear uh, to end the season. 
Yeah, I mean, you you bet I'm excited about this game. Um, but it sounds like you're actually even a little bit higher on my alma mater than I am this year. Look, but with that being said, I think going into this game, I was a little iffy. I mean, I, I thought Florida had a really good chance to compete even with Cam Rising on the field. Now, you know, today's Wednesday. We're hearing earlier today. Sounds like he's not likely to play. Sounds like uh, their star tight end, Brant Keithy, is also not likely to play. So they're missing a couple of really key guys, you know, turning to Bryson Barnes, a junior quarterback, former walk-on, going to be making just his second start, uh, started one game last year with Rising being injured, but haven't really seen a ton of him. And look, it's a big question against a Florida front seven that, you know, I expect to be improved. How improved? I don't know, but it will be better this year. You know, new defensive coordinator in Austin Armstrong. They're going to put some pressure on this guy. And and I'm really interested to see how Utah is able to respond. And I mean, this is a Florida team that's going to kind of try to do the same things to Utah that Utah likes to do to other teams. You know, Florida is going to run the ball a ton in this game. Um, uh, and, you know, like you said, Graham Mertz not going to be slinging it all over the field. But if he can just take care of the football and, and avoid, you know, costly turnovers – I expect this will be a close game. Um, you know, it was a close game last year, and I think Utah was a significantly better team than Florida. I think that gap is probably lessened this year, especially with rising out. I mean, I I probably still lean towards Utah a little bit just because this is a road game. You know, opening the year, week one's always weird. Thursday night in a hostile environment, you know, thin air, mountain air. Like, there's just a lot of factors here. But, I mean, I'm about 50-50 on this one. I, I definitely could see the Gators pulling off the upset. Well, the, the fact – here's why I'm going to tell you I'm going with Florida in this game. I don't know how much I trust Bryson Barnes as a quarterback, making his second ever start. And then you look at Quinton Jackson, who's supposed to be their starting running back this year. He's never made a start. So that makes me wonder, how effective is this team going to be with a lot of inexperience uh, at, at key positions? Obviously, they, they lost their, their top receiver tight end last year to the NFL draft. There's a lot of things in play here, and I just feel like perhaps Florida is in a better position with some of the athletes that they have, especially running the football, playing ball control. We'll see how that defense looks, but that's why I'm personally going with Florida Gators on Thursday night uh, in Utah against the Utes. That's where we're going. Now let's get to another one that a lot of people are excited about. This was the game that opened the season last year. We had Colorado – Hosting TCU, Chandler Morris gets hurt. Max Duggan takes over, and that was all she wrote. And they rode Max Duggan all the way to the national championship game. But going into this year, Sonny Dykes year two with TCU. Oh, yeah, and, and, and some guy named Deion Sanders is taking over for the TC or for uh, the Colorado Buffaloes, and he's changed the entire roster. This is a game that I am excited to see. I don't really have a dog in the fight, so I'm going to enjoy this one. Yeah, I mean, I think everyone's, you know, got this one circled. You know, we're excited to see what, if anything, Dion's able to do here in year one. I mean, look, TCU lost a lot from last year. Like, this is a team that's going to take a step back. I would be stunned if this team is back in the college football playoff race this year. But with that being said, they're still way ahead of where this Colorado team should be. You know I mean? Colorado's got some playmakers, you know, you got offensively guys like Shador Sanders, guys like Travis Hunter, they can, they can make plays and, you know, maybe keep them in the game at least early on, but they do not have the depth. They don't have the, the, the guys in the trenches to compete with this TCU team, even with all it has to replace from last season. Look, I just, I think I'm interested to see, you know, can this, can this, I think if this is even a close game at all, you've got to be feeling pretty good about the early trajectory in year one under Deion Sanders. I mean, there will be some winnable games on this PAC 12 schedule. 
if you're even close on the road against TCU, I think you're doing great. I'm not sure it will be, though. I think TCU is going to win this one pretty handily. Yeah, the line, if you look at BetMGM, 20-and-a-half, TCU favored at home. You know, there was a reason why Sonny Dykes was going to go with Chandler Morris last year over Max Duggan, a guy who had started a lot of games for TCU. Now he's back. I, I really think that they lean on Chandler. Uh, I, I think he's going to do a fantastic job. But I, I'm, I'm with you. I think it's not going to be as close as a lot of people are hoping that it's going to be. Uh, you know, I would not be surprised a 24-point game, a four-touchdown win uh, in this matchup. So I, I'm, I'm going to lean here on TCU to cover that. Uh, as, as they open the season with Coach Prime, getting kind of a rude awakening, I think, uh, welcoming him to the Power Five. Now, as we stick with a Big 12 team, we went from TCU, now we're going to West Virginia a team that is on the other side of the conversation when you talk about head coaches because Neil Brown could be on his way out and he is not getting a favorable start to his season. If you look at that West Virginia schedule to start the year, it's going to be tough sledding for a guy that's already, by most standards, the number one coach on the hot seat uh, across all uh, college football. Looking at this game, tough draw with Drew Alar, Nicholas Singleton, and that, uh, that high-powered Penn State offense. Uh, yeah, I'll just be frank. This one could get really ugly. Um, I don't have a lot of optimism for West Virginia heading into this game. I mean, Penn State, you know, debut uh, the Drew Aller era. I think it could be a huge game for that for that offense specifically. I just I don't really see how West Virginia. You know, we've talked about before. They're they're really you know have a new look on offense with receivers and stuff. I, I don't think this is a really tough first test for that group. Uh, and it's tough because I do think, you know, with, like you said, the pressure he's under, I mean, maybe the hottest seat in the power five, they need to show signs of life early because I'm not sure that West Virginia would hesitate to make a move, you know, in October or something like that. So you've got to find signs of life early in the schedule. And it's going to be hard to do that because if you assuming you get beat pretty bad this weekend at Penn state, you've got Duquesne next week, you should win that game. No problem. But then, you know, you got Pitt. You've got Texas Tech to open Big 12 play, and then you hit the road to take on TCU. I mean, this is like looks like two and two start to the year, like best case scenario. I don't see how if if you don't at least look good in these Power Five games, how he sticks around. And it would be almost poetic if Neil Brown were to lose his job after they play Houston, Dana Holgerson, if you know the history. Oh, Dana Holgerson being at West Virginia, Neil Brown taking over. That that would be just the ultimate poetic. Two two coaches he, who, by the way, could could be could both be under pressure going into that game if Neil Brown's still there by then. And if Dana Holgerson doesn't get the start that many think that he should, and we'll see how yeah. he looks with Donovan Smith, who's coming over from Texas Tech, gets an opportunity to start. So we'll, we'll see how they look down the stretch. Now a game that everybody's going to be tuning in Sunday night. We got LSU in Orlando taking on the Florida State Seminoles. Last year, this was a great game down in New Orleans. Obviously, it didn't go the way of Brian Kelly in his first year, and we saw the resurgence of Florida State throughout the year, uh, finishing with just three losses, got a big win in Cheez It Bowl against Oklahoma. But there's no surprises this year. Florida State, LSU, they're going to give their best. They're going to give their best fight in this game, I think. Because uh, this could be a re- – we could see a rematch down the road uh, in the postseason between these two teams. 
which I, I would sign up for every day of the week. But looking at this matchup, and I know I really want to lean on you here because you, you're the LSU guy. Um, when you look at LSU and what they're with the loss of, of Mason Smith, does that defense have enough depth to kind of, you know, overcome that at least in week one? Because we, we know Smith is going to be back after that. Yeah, I think they do. I think they do. You know, and, and for those of you who aren't aware of what we're referring to, uh, Mason Smith, star LSU defensive tackle, former five star, suspended for this first game. Uh, he he missed all of last, pretty much all of last season with a torn ACL. He was suspended for uh, receiving improper benefits at an autograph signing. This happened back in July 2021, like literally weeks before uh, NIL rights went into effect. So he would have served the suspension last year, but he was hurt, so he couldn't. So yeah, they don't have him for this game. I think they're going to be okay though. There, depth wise, you know, they've got guys, you know, veterans like Jacoby and Guillory, who's been there for a while, and then they added. You know, a transfer in Jordan Jefferson, who started 17 games over the last four years at West Virginia, a guy in uh, Jalen Lee, who saw some starting time in the SEC at Florida. So I, I think they're OK there. Just looking at this game as a whole, I mean, truthfully, this is kind of, I think, a bit of a week, a, a week, week one schedule compared to what we've seen in the past couple of years. This is easily the best game, though. Um, you know, two top 10 teams entering this year with pretty different vibes than last year, you know, looked like they were both heading towards rebuilding campaigns. That's not what happened at all. Um, you know, we ended up getting a good game last year. It was pretty sloppy though, uh, decided by a blocked extra point at the end, obviously Florida state wins it. I kind of think this is going to be a different story this time around now. You know, I think FSU can run the ball and not having Mason Smith will definitely, uh, you know, hurt LSU a little bit, but the front seven is still this team's strength. And when I look at the secondary for LSU, that's really where I have questions because they're dealing with a couple injuries there. They're dealing with a lot of tra new transfer additions there. I don't know if, if FSU's really built with the downfield passing game to, 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 to really stress that, especially in week one. I kind of like the matchup here. You know, I think LSU's offense was really clicking so much better down the stretch than it was um, in, in, this, in the first game last year. Both these teams have improved, don't get me wrong, but I think the improvement from LSU has been a lot more significant um, since that first game. So I think it's close. You know, the spread here is like two and a half points. I think that's about right, but I do think LSU gets the win and avenges that loss from last year. Yeah, you look at the way Jaden Daniels, and he surprised me a ton. I wasn't exactly thrilled when he came over to LSU and they were he was named the starting quarterback. I didn't know how I felt about it based on what I saw the regression at Arizona State. But, you know, again, a, a team that and you could look at him, it might be the reason why LSU was maybe ahead of schedule last year, was just his play down the stretch, throwing the football, running the football. I think him and Malik Neighbors get together uh, multiple touchdowns in this game. I, I'm like you. I'm leaning LSU in this game. Close game, one score. Uh, but, I, but I do like LSU in this game. Now we got the Battle of the Carolinas going on. In Charlotte, we have South Carolina, North Carolina. Uh, a couple of guys, you know, Heisman favorite at one point in his career, Spencer Rattler, he's kind of fell off. Last year, Drake May became the darling. I really like this quarterback matchup uh, when you look at, you know, two former five-star quarterbacks uh, going head-to-head -head on national TV. College game day is going to be there. Uh, what What's your big takeaway from this game and, and kind of where are you leaning uh, when, when you try to pick this game. Yeah. I mean, I just think narratively it's a really interesting game for both these teams because I think there are two teams that I, I'm really not quite sure what to make of heading into this year. I mean, you know, North Carolina has an offense that could score like 60 points a game, no problem. But 
defensively they had all sorts of problems last year and weren't that good of a team. I don't know if they're really poised to take a step, uh, you know, it, it, you know, much bigger step this year, you know, versus a South Carolina team that I think might be. You know, they, you know, looked really good down the stretch, obviously got those two big wins over Tennessee and Clemson. I think that to me, the really interesting thing here is, like you said, the quarterback battle, but really specifically with Spencer Rattler, because he's been a lot more volatile uh, than Drake May has, you know, really has has been prone to multi-turnover games and stuff like that. This is a bad North Carolina defense, again, unless it's, you know, we haven't seen it on the field yet, so maybe it's improved. But assuming it has not improved markedly, it's a bad North Carolina defense. If this South Carolina team isn't able to put up a lot of points, it, it it is concerning to me about how they'll be able to do, you know, facing defenses in the SEC of, you know, Georgia's caliber, you know, of even like Texas A&M's caliber. Yeah, th- there, this is a big question, and I kind of lean towards Drake May just because of the way that he played last year. I think the offense can overcome a lot. Uh, is, is that going to help them down the stretch? Probably not because they're going to get into some matchups where the offenses are going to be equal uh, in terms of how many points they can put up. And do I trust that North Carolina defense? In week one, I, I'm, I might lean yes just because of, like you said, the volatility of Spencer Rattler and the way that he plays up and down. So I, I'm going to lean North Carolina here uh, with Drake May. Uh, what's a, just to be clear, uh, by the way, my yeah, my pick is South Carolina here, though. I do think South Carolina is the more complete team. I do think they will have uh, success offensively in this game. And I have a lot of questions about how North Carolina is going to look defensively. So I just realized I, I, I kind of talked negatively about South Carolina there, but I do think they win this game. little reverse psychology there from Tyler yeah. with talking negative and then picking them. Uh, let's talk about another game in the ACC. Uh, Clemson versus Duke. Now this is going to be the Monday night game. So this is going to be interesting. Uh, we have questions on both sides. You know, was Riley Leonard a one-hit wonder last year with the way that he played under Mike Elko uh, for the Duke Blue Devils? And then over at Clemson, Cade Klubnick, number one quarterback coming out of his class. Uh, well, once Quinn Ewers reclassified. Uh, and, and then we have Lincoln Riley's little brother, Garrett Riley, taking over the offense. We're finally getting to see a new offense at Clemson rather than the boring stuff that we've seen over the years. Uh, how excited are you about the, the marriage of, of Riley and Klubnik? And how likely is it that Duke can actually give Clemson a run for their money in this game? Yeah, I think this has the potential to be kind of a sneaky, interesting game on Monday night. Um, I mean, I think, I think Duke is pretty overmatched talent-wise. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But they overachieved in year one. I mean, Mike Elko did a really phenomenal job. And and I don't think Riley Leonard's a one-hit wonder at quarterback. I think he's a good player. Um, and I think, you know, this is a Clemson defense that has been really good. And, it, it, you know, kind of startup offenses like this have really struggled to get going. I just kind of think back to, like, how, how the Wake teams with Sam Hartman have looked at times against them. But I think, you know, to me, the question is here is, you know, we think Clemson's going to take a step forward this year, right? With Kate Clemson, I mean, take a, you know, as yeah. if they were bad last year winning 10 games. But, you know, take a, a, a step yeah. forward, be back sort of in the playoff conversation with Kate Klubnik. That might not happen, though. I mean, there's, you know, I think there's a lot of assuming going on there. Um, sorry, we're in a hurricane. But a lot of assuming going on right now. Uh, you know, I'm interested to see, you know, how he looks in, in kind of the first game sort of officially debuting the Kate Klubnik era. You know, Mike Elko is a really smart guy defensively. He's going to throw some looks at this kid that, 
could force some early mistakes. And, and if Duke is able to make plays on offense, they could capitalize on those mistakes. You know, they could be able to you know, keep this game interesting. I don't really think they will. I think Clemson probably pulls away to a pretty comfortable win, but I just am interested if Duke can make this game anything. I'm going to circle back to one of your points, and I'm taking Clemson in this game, by the way. Uh, but I'm going to circle back to one of your points about Clemson having a down year by their standards. Absolutely. Ten wins, not enough uh, by Clemson standards. Uh, as you would know, uh, I know you're in the South Carolina area right now. Uh, but, you know, they, they expect more, so we'll see how it looks. But I, I have to like the, I like the marriage, but I want to see how does it look, how does it fit. And, uh, and I will tell you this right now. If Garrett Riley can lead Clemson back to the college football playoffs with his offense, he's going to be a head coach somewhere next year. Mark my words. Uh, let's dive into a G5 versus P5 game here. Group of five versus the Power Five. Boise State versus Washington. We're getting two. two this is interesting, the Chris Peterson Bowl. Uh, when you look at Chris Peterson led Boise State, and that's kind of where they got their, their jump onto the national stage. And then obviously what he did at Washington for a brief time. Uh, now Washington's a team that everybody's kind of looking at this year with Michael Penning Jr., that trio of wide receivers, they have a pretty good defense as well. However, this game has an opportunity, has a chance to be a really good one uh, based on uh, what Boise State's able to do uh, when they have the football. Yeah, honestly, this might be, of the games on Saturday, this might be the one I'm most interested in. I think this is a really good G5, P5 game. And look, I mean, two teams that I think have really high expectations coming into the year. I mean, Boise, you know, on their side, you know, a team that looks like they could be pretty clearly the best team in the Mountain West, um, if all goes to plan. And then, you know, a Washington team that could be, you know, ready to break out, maybe win the Big, uh, win the Pac-12, maybe, you know, compete for a playoff spot. This one is interesting. I mean, I think there's high expectations for the Boise offense. You know, they got a good quarterback in Taylor Green, but can they keep it close? Because they're going to give up point. I mean, this is a great Washington offense. Like you said, Michael Penix, you know, you got receivers like Romeo Dunze. They're going to score points in this game. I, I don't know how much faith I have in the Boise defense to keep that, that from happening. And, you know, can you, if you're Boise, can you keep, you know, can you keep up in a potential shootout against a Washington defense that, like you said, I think we both think is going to be pretty good as well. Absolutely, we do. I, and so I, I look at this game as, as a game, a, a really, you know, sneaky game, I, I should say, as far as uh, a game that you're going to want to watch. Uh, I'm going to Washington, so it's hard for me to go against Washington. Uh, they're kind of my sleeper pick out of the Pac-12 to win the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I'm going to roll with Washington here. Now, as we get into another game that's in that same realm, a G5 versus a P5, it's this is interesting because the P5 team is a home dog, uh, according to BetMVM. UTSA is a two-point favorite on the road at Houston. Houston, this is their first season uh, in the Big 12. Uh, but it's interesting to see because UTSA is kind of one of those – they could be this year's Tulane in terms of making it to one of the New Year's Six Bowl games prior to uh, – well, really, we're losing the New Year's Six Bowl games next year because uh, they're going to be college football playoff games. Uh, but I'm looking at UTSA as a team with, you know, that, uh, you know, with the way that Frank Harris plays a quarterback, and obviously he's been around the block. I believe this is his sixth, seat, sixth year. Uh, you know, but looking at what UTSA can do in the Roadrunners, I, I really believe they could give Houston a run for their money in this game, especially because they're breaking in a new quarterback now that Clayton Toon uh, has moved on from Houston. 
Yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, I think Houston is a home underdog in this game for good reason. I think UTSA is the better team, you know, as it stands right now. I'm not that high on Houston, to be honest with you. I think that it's going to be a tough year for them in year one in the Big 12. And that's going to start off with playing arguably the best G5 team in the country. I mean, this is a big opportunity for UTSA to make a statement win, you know, against a, a team, not just a team in the state of Texas that, you know, sort of compares itself against as a team that had to sort of build from the G5 ranks, but had the resources of being in a a huge metro area in the state of Texas. I think there's a lot of uh, similarities there. And I think getting a win like this over a Houston team that has now made that jump to the power five level, I think would, would send a huge message. And I I think that they're going to do it. I mean, I think they're the better, like I said, I think they're the better team than them. I think they're maybe the best team in the G5, you know, we'll see what happens between them and, and Tulane. I think are the two clear ones right now, but I really like them to pull off the uh, the road win. Oh, I, I'm with you. I, like I said, Frank Harris is a guy who's very experienced. And, and really, when it comes down to my quarterbacks, I want to go with the experienced guy. Guy who's made a lot of starts. Not to say that Donovan Smith for Houston hasn't, but we'll kind of see how he gets acclimated to to this offense with Houston. But I'm going with the Roadrunners on this one. Uh, they're, they're a team that I think, can be a force this year, and that's why I got, I'm circling them almost each and every week. Now, we've talked about plenty of games, but now we're going to get into our predictions for this weekend, and, and this is something me and Tyler are going to do each and every uh, week as we preview games, our bold prediction and our lock of the week. Uh, Tyler, let's let's kick it off with your bold prediction. Who, who are you taking in your bold prediction for this weekend? Yeah, my bold prediction, I want to circle back to Hawaii because they host uh, Stanford this weekend for Troy Taylor's first game. I think that this has upset written all over it. I mean, I think, you know, if Hawaii can can move the ball like they did against Vanderbilt, I think if they could do that against a Clark Lee defense, I think they could do it to a Stanford team that is less talented, uh, you know, still figuring things out schematically. Um, I think they have a really big opportunity to, to do that. Uh, and I think, you know, yeah, I think offensively they they could really could really put some damage on them. All right, here we go. Bold prediction. I've been thinking about this. I'm taking Miami of Ohio over Miami, Florida this weekend. Uh, I really like Brett Gabbert. I think he's going to have a big game against Miami, and I'm going to tell you this right now. I'm not sold on Miami. Mario Cristobal has not sold me on this program, and we saw them lose games last year that they had no business losing. Uh, so – I wonder if if Miami of Ohio can actually pull this off. And and we're going bold, right? So let's go Miami of Ohio over the Hurricanes. Yeah, I love that pick. Uh, I considered it myself, but I wasn't brave enough to pull the trigger. So props to you for doing it. Hey, you know, uh, fortune favors the bold. So that's where we're going to go with that one. All right, Tyler, what is your lock of the week? My lock of the week, this one's a little bit interesting. So I wanted to make it a little bit tougher on myself and not just like pick Alabama playing Middle Tennessee or whatever. I've got uh, got Rutgers beating Northwestern. So this game's at Rutgers. And I think Northwestern's a team that we thought was going to be pretty bad before any of the turmoil of the last month and a half and change uh, went down. I mean, even with Pat Fitzgerald, this was going to be one of, if not the worst teams in the Big Ten. Look, Rutgers is not a good team by any means, but they've been kind of quietly competent under Greg Schiano. And they've got this one at home against a Northwestern team that just frankly has bigger concerns uh, than winning a football game against Rutgers. 
I mean, having to start off with a road conference game, even against, a, a, you know, a more of a cellar dweller in the conference is really tough for David Braun and Northwestern. I just, to me, Rutgers is better. They've got the, the, the sort of just clear head going into this game. They've got it at home. I feel pretty confident they'll win that game. It's a good pick. I can't, I can't knock that pick. Um, mostly because of the turmoil that surrounds Northwestern uh, heading into this year. All right, I'm going to go blatant homer here. Texas Tech. Covering the 14-point spread at Wyoming. Frankly, I think Wyoming's a good team at the G5 level. They don't have the firepower to keep up with Texas Tech offense. Led by Tyler Shug. Oh, and if he gets hurt, because he's been known to get hurt in the opener. Uh, Baron Morton, uh, a guy who's, who's who can sling it around the field just as much. Maybe a little bit better, but you know Tyler gives them the experience. Um, you just look at that team, J. Rand Bradley, Miles Price, Taj Brooks. I mean, that offense is, is loaded. I, I just don't see how Wyoming can can go punch for punch with Texas Tech in that game, uh, even if the, the backups get in there. And, and let's not forget Jalen Hutchins, Tony Bradford, probably one of the best duos inside in the country. If you go pound for pound, those two guys, they create havoc. But that's why I'm going to go with my Red Raiders covering the spread. Uh, as they get ready for a big matchup in week two against the Oregon Ducks in Lubbock, Texas, as they open the season. You know, but that's going to do it for our, this edition of the College 12-Pack. Now, next week's going to change up a little bit. We're going to be back early next week to kind of recap week one, uh, that was. And then on Thursday, we'll come back with our normal preview as we get you set for week two. The big games of the weekend, as I mentioned, Texas Tech-Oregon, not to be outdone by – Alabama and Texas. That's the premier game of the week, as we all know. Uh, But for Tyler, I'm Patrick. We'll see you next week.